Hey, hey, Pod Nuttings. Welcome to The Makers, episode 24. My name is Door to Door Geek, owner operator here at uh, podnuts.com. Uh, it's definitely been a little bit of time since the last time we did a show, but uh, the only constant in this uh, universe is change. So after not doing shows for a while, bang, we're doing a show. Uh, tonight we're joined by a bunch of people. First off, we are joined by um, uh, Brett. Uh, how's everything going, man? What have you uh, built, broken, or learned? Uh, actually, a lot lately. Uh, built a CNC machine, MPCNC machine. Um, broke mostly everything, but learned enough to uh, rebuild it all. That's really awesome. Yeah, we saw a picture tonight in our Voxer chat of, I think, your first cut with it. Yeah, yeah, that was the first cut. And what did you actually cut? Um, I cut a uh, a crown test file into a piece of insulation foam. Very cool. Um, if you can do me a favor, that was that was that a Google image link or just a straight picture? I can't remember. It was a straight picture. I'll uh, I'll I'll post it up to the Instagram if I can. Awesome, awesome. Thank you. Because uh, that I I was I don't want to say shocked at how good it looked. But for like a first cut, I thought that looked pretty yeah, good. Yeah, it, it actually was a lot better than I expected. Very cool, very cool. Uh, I also know you've been busy literally like driving hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of miles. Uh, how has that been? Um, been good. Uh, my dad is actually in the hospital right now for uh, uh, appendectomy, but he's uh, he's doing pretty good. And I think I'll be driving back up to see him and drive his truck back tomorrow. Gotcha, gotcha. Well, good luck with that, man. Hope everything goes well. Thank you. Uh, we're also joined this week, and I should actually follow the screen this time, or but too late now. Uh, we're joined by um, Aaron. Hey, man, uh, what have you uh, broke, built, and learned? Well, hey, how's it going? Um, yeah, I haven't been doing much uh breaking or learning um, at the personal level, but at work um, with our uh, Formlabs 2 uh, SLA printer, I've been um, printing just uh, work stuff and then, of course, random nuts and bolts and uh, little miscellaneous things. Uh, definitely learned uh, how to failed print for the first time, and when it comes to SLA, that is one messy, sloppy mess. I mean, it's it's terrible. It, I had to um, pretty much filter filter the resin into uh, a whole another container, uh, wipe down wipe down the whole entire machine, and uh, start fresh. It was yeah, it was a whole lot of fun when um, the supports uh, give way. And uh, this is the printer where it basically like dips into a pool and then slowly pulls up, right? Uh, yes, absolutely. Um, it, it, yeah, it kind of reverses what we would think of uh, a normal uh, um, filament printer. Uh, comes from the bottom and then dips down, dips into the resin, and then does your laser curing. Then comes back up, you know, and each layer is, is a resin cure with uh, the laser. I'm honestly trying to picture in my head what it would look like as a failed print. Me having traditional 3D printer, I honestly have no idea. So I would love it if next time you have a massive fail that you think is glorious, uh, send us a picture. <laughs> yeah, for sure. So, I mean, this right here, you can see this is how the um, uh, supports is. So think of this. The top part here is your... Um, build plate so it's stuck to here and then it keeps dipping down you know into the resin like that so imagine this broke off and off to the side and you know cluster gotcha gotcha crazy uh well i hope everything has been going good for you uh in the meantime yeah just um you know hunting and stuff like that non uh, 3d printing related but yes very good family's good glad everybody's here very cool, very cool. And uh, I will tell you, because you're the closest one there, um, I am thinking the next conference I'm probably going to be able to go to is Linux Fest Northwest next year, which should be late April. Um, All um, right. Well, I'll make sure to, sorry, I'll uh, make sure to put that on my list uh, since that's definitely uh, around my birthday. So yeah, And uh, put in for time off at work. Uh, we're also joined this evening by um, Chad. Hey, Chad, uh, there's little doubt in my mind you've done some building, some breaking, and some learning. Well, not so much of the the building as of yet. Um, 
be talking about that in the show here, I guess. Um, but a lot of breaking and fixing, <laughs> different stuff with letting stuff sit, and you gotta, you know, more clean up and stuff before you use it if it sits for months, you know. I didn't do a lot this summer, so just starting to get back into the things now. So, have you been uh, helping your family or something? Well, I got my summer job that do those tree injection stuff in the summer, and that kept me pretty busy. We had a really good year this year, and it was was really busy. So, yeah, and if there's one term I think that still holds true, it's I like money. So, yeah, I mean, I can't blame you for doing that kind of stuff. Yeah, you gotta it, you know, make the money when you can. Yep. Uh, we're also joined this week by um by um by um James. How's everything going, man? Have you been doing any building, breaking, or learning? You're not transmitting, James. Oh, sorry. Uh, wrong key. <laughs> the push to talk. I had my finger one key over. I've uh, been doing a bit of all of it. Uh, not a whole lot of building lately, unless you count CAD. Uh, most of my building work has been all virtual here lately. Um, breaking, I nearly broke myself, sending a couple tens of thousands of volts through uh, my finger uh, through uh, a short circuit in my laser. Um, that was fun. Uh, relying on a cheap splice uh, with some high voltage. Um, learning, uh, learn not to poke around a laser when you're not sure what's going wrong with it. <laughs> but uh, yeah, as far as building, it's mostly been CAD. Uh, but yeah, I had an interesting adventure with my laser. I was uh, etching uh, some acrylic for a PC build for like a custom logo thing on a PC. And I see this arc and some smoke and my laser stops like working. I'm like, oh man, what's going on? Turn everything off, run over to the laser. Everything's fine. Can't find a thing wrong with it. Okay, turn it back on. Everything's fine for a few minutes. Arcs again. Uh, keeps arcing. Turn it off. I figured I blew a capacitor and a power supply or something. Pulled the power supply out. Pulled it all apart and everything. Couldn't find anything wrong with it. Couldn't find anything wrong with it. Sw- turn it back on. Have it again. Swapped out to a different power supply. Happened again. I got to get this job done. So that, I've figured out now that whatever's arcing is nasty looking, but it isn't destroying it. And uh, so uh, everything runs fine for a few minutes. I see a little arc, and I walk over, and I move some of the cabling that's in the way of me kind of looking through the vents in the power supply to see if I can see something going on in there. Because by this point, I have no idea what to do. I pulled power supply, two power supplies apart, and uh, as soon as I touch the cables... <laughs> Uh, I got a really, really good zap. Um, those lasers generate some serious voltage. Like, no joke, they can kill you. Um, and I had a little split in one of my uh, butt splices that uh, put the fear of God in me for the rest of the day. But, uh, yeah, as far as building, I fixed it, and uh, I got the, the job done. But, but yeah, that was that was scary. <laughs> uh, well, I'm just happy that you're not the one to actually break. No, <laughs> no, fortunately. You do that to yourself a couple times in a day, though, I hear it can stop your heart. Oh, wow. Okay, yeah, well, then yeah. let's make sure we keep accurate count. Yeah, uh, my parents were industrial electricians when I was growing up. And they, you know, you get shocked a few times in a day, even if they're not major and you're done. Gotcha, gotcha. Uh, we're also joined by um, by um, Jonas. Uh, how is everything going, man? Pretty well. Volcanoes calm down and we've got clear skies again. Glorious, and I hope uh, t- tourism is back up and your uh, area is not hurt too much by the lack of uh, tourists for that length of time. No, it's mostly real estate sales dipped for a while, but uh, they're coming back up. Gotcha, gotcha. Well, that's good. Um, what have you been doing in the meantime? Have you been doing any building, breaking, or learning? Oh, yeah, I built a few things. Um, let's see, what did I break? Oh, I don't remember if I talked about this or not, but my let's split keyboard, I killed the USB port on that. So I've got to put a new couple of boards in there to connect it back up again. So I'm back to my old keyboard. I built a couple of large prints on the CR10 and back to making trees for the days if you've been watching the uh, Boxer. And then relearning some more stuff about TPU. So that's always fun. I, I have, I want to say, two or three smaller rolls of TPU still that I, I literally, Jonas, I haven't even cracked open yet. Because I still have at least like three rolls of PLA I haven't even cracked open yet. I, at one point in time, I want to say bought six or seven rolls in like two months. So I have plenty of filament left, so I just keep printing stuff. 
Um, so, I mean, busy is good is what I'm going to say. Um, first and foremost, uh, the keyboard thing, if people haven't listened to the previous episodes, I definitely encourage you to go through at least the notes of previous episodes and see the pictures from the keyboard that, um, um, uh, basically he custom made the boards were super cheap and you basically just fill in the rest with, uh, either stuff you made or piece it out and you can have a truly custom keyboard, which I think was pretty freaking awesome. Yeah, it's a good little project combining uh, a little bit of soldering and a lot of 3D printing, and you can either buy keycaps or print your own. Yeah, and it was affordable. Uh, not cheap, but definitely affordable. Yeah, it was like 11 bucks for the board set. You know, the keys, key switches themselves are probably the most expensive part because you can spend a dollar a key if you want. And you're, if you're buying 40 keys, that's, you know, 40 bucks. Exactly, yes. Very, very true. Um, we're also joined this week by Liam uh, down there in the, uh, look, I respect Texas. I never gonna live there. Way too many bugs. But uh, how's everything going, man? Have you been doing any uh, building, breaking, or learning? Uh, you know, it, I've, I've been doing a little bit of all. Um, I guess the the newest thing I've built is the uh, Minecraft Jack-O-Lantern. I saw one on, on uh, Thingverse recently and printed out, and I just didn't like that it was all one piece, and you had to use a bunch of supports if you wanted it to print out proper. So I, I just took took a um a screen grab from Minecraft and did the redid it myself where it would uh multiple pieces that you assemble with minimal supports and uh that was kind of a nice project to put together. Uh as far as breaking broke my kid, gave him stitches last weekend. Uh good eventful weekend. No 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 wait 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 the best part was you took him to the hospital when the doctors asked him <laughs> what happened, what did your son say? Oh god, he said it so many times too. Uh, my dad threw a baseball at me. Nice. <laughs> my poor wife's having to come apart too because she's a social worker and every everything is CPS all the time, you know. So I she must have told him a hundred times, no, 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 threw it to you, not at you. So yeah, so that was fun. Um, he took it in, in good uh, in stride. And then as far as learning, uh, lots of little things here and there. Probably the the best thing recently has been. Um, getting my FT5 up to uh, Marlin 1.9 and uh, getting linear advance set up. What's uh? Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, I was gonna say um that uh, that printer is I think one of the better printers, uh, especially like for the price. Yeah, it's it's definitely uh it's not one you're just gonna set up and get running. It's gonna teach you a lot about all the failures that can happen and how to troubleshoot things but once it's running i it does what you tell it i it's my go-to yeah i'll have to agree with that my uh mine's still running great after yeah after i think it's been over a year year and a half now and um what was the base price for that printer i can i i can never remember um they've got it listed at right at five so 499.99 but they've got a persistent discount of 11%, I think, which there's some Facebook code from the group they're in. And so I was able to get mine delivered for 485 Very cool, very cool. It seems, seems like a very fair price, uh, I'll say, for the quality of printer. Um, to me, the only thing really better, more stable, more consistent is the actual, like, um, Prusa printer itself. I Having had hands-on with one of those, that thing is just, yeah, that it's... It's the difference between a, a kit car and just outright buying a Lexus. I mean, sure, they can both run the same and give you the same enjoyment, but you're probably not going to learn as much putting together the Prusa because it's just going to work. You're not going to have all the problems to learn from. Well, I mean, yes. That's what I'm getting next, I think. Well, after the Form 2, it looks like I might be getting But yeah, that's what I want for a filament printer is the Prusa. Well, yeah, and I'll say the better, the best thing to me about the Prusa is, yes, you will not learn as much but you won't need to know as much because it is a Prusa. Yeah, I would definitely say um, besides something like maybe an Ultimaker or even maybe a Tazbot, that's the least expensive printer you're going to get. That You're just going to take it out of the box, put a card in, and start printing. And uh, they've got really, really good uh, getting started and troubleshooting guide that comes with it printed and, of course, online that stays updated. Um, for minimal effort, you can have something printing proper right away gotcha gotcha yeah that's very cool um for me building breaking and learning first off i didn't learn nothing because yeah i I got time for that um i did do some building 
and I don't even not even sure I did any breaking. I had remarkably few failed prints for the number of prints that I've done on my um um the CR10 printer, even with the filament sitting in the roll exposed in the garage for three months straight. And I just go power pack up and start printing, and I'm surprised at how well stuff printed. Um, I kind of went vase crazy. Um, I will say the first vase I printed, I honestly think I forgot to go in and put it on spirograph mode or spiro whatever mode. And it technically printed. It just didn't print right, is what I'll say. Um, this print, we see like some wavy lines in it. And you guys said that's basically because of the fan on the head part, which I can you know, turn that off. But honestly, I, I ain't gonna lie. I kind of like the uh, waves in at least this vase. It's actually kind of cool. The color green, I think, is okay, great, not perfect. Um, that one, I thought, turned out pretty good. Um, and all these are on the Instagram feed. Um, this one, I don't even know how to put it. This one is like polygonal triangle vase. Um, I love using Zealtech uh, silver, the um, sheen, the glimmer, the shine that it comes off of this one. I just think this one was freaking elegant is the only way I can put it. Um, the finish awesome. on that looks great. Yeah, I, I did print three other uh, prints. Uh, two of them were a um, square that came up and twisted. Uh, I, I, I took a bunch of these to work. I set them by the entryway on our floor, and within 10 minutes, half of them were instantly gone. Uh, the green ones sat around. Um, I didn't bring this one to work, though. Um, I literally printed this one normal size. This was, I think, called Twist Face. This was on uh, Instagram as well. But I, I, I literally maxed it out on the CR10. I want to see how big I can print, and I just hit print. And it literally took, I want to say, three days for this thing to print. I, I honestly can't remember how long it took. But it's a gigantic, almost retardo-looking vase. You can park your car on that thing. Have you have you tried setting some filament in there? Um, you could, I mean, obviously fit in the in the lines there because that's that's what that was originally designed for the slits, so you could have two colors. It wouldn't shock me if it's actually too big. Oh well, no, I'm sure it's too big. But yeah. I mean, if it looked good, you could still glue it in place. True, true, true. Oh, is that what that line setup is? Is to put filament in? Yeah, yeah, that's what the ridge there's for. Yeah. Oh, that's pretty cool. There, there, yeah, there, there's like an, an edge where basically right in, you're supposed to be, it's supposed to be the perfect size, you like push it in and it like snaps in. Everyone complains it doesn't work right. Yeah, probably can get it to work with some tweaking, but with a three-day print time, <laughs> you probably don't want to do a whole lot of tweaking. Oh, yeah, just hot glue is what I would do. Uh, so I went vase crazy, printing all kinds of vases that I could print. Uh, I will say, again... <laughs> I, I just had the fun just finding, searching, downloading, uh, and just printing. Uh, Yegi has been my main source for finding stuff, but uh, Colts 3D, I will say on Google Plus, is still really good stuff. I keep seeing all the time. Um, I have not had any time to sit down and do any kind of de design or uh, in, in any shape, way, or form, even though now there's like two or three things I would actually like to sit down and design. One of them is basically just a light holder. Um, next to my printer where I can put these little USB um, lights uh, hooked up and just pointing at my printer and then just simply white box one, one corner of it. And I, and I honestly think these would work great, but I don't have the time. I'd much rather have a um, uh, Logitech quick cam mount. All the mounts on um, Thingiverse and Yegi for this mic are actually horrible, which I'm shocked considering this uh, webcam is like one of the most popular webcams ever made. Um, so I haven't had any time to do any of that, but it's in my mind. I keep thinking I want to do it. So what I'll ask is in the 3D universe, the 3D world or the maker world, uh, is there anything that you guys have seen like uh, announced or coming or launched that you guys said to yourself, self, I would really like to explore or, or play with that? I do believe if I'm not mistaken, uh, Fusion 360 Web is now actually Linux compatible. Uh, web, yeah, is. Um, and um, I actually uh, was talking to somebody at Autodesk, and it's still very much alpha, but they're, uh, it's not a secret or anything, but um, it's also not really well known. They are working on um, Fusion, like straight up Fusion for Linux, like not in a browser. Um, they're using Flatpak to try to do 
yeah, actual Linux, real CAD, not, you know, like, I love Linux, and I love CAD, but I got to say, all the Linux solutions for CAD have all been kind of not quite there. Um, but yeah, they're they're working on one that's going to operate exactly like it does in Windows and on the Mac. And they've put quite a bit into it. But yeah, the browser ones work from the start. The problem with that one, it's still very much in preview. There's still a lot of missing features. Uh, you can do some very basic stuff with it, but you're constantly going to run into things that are missing. Um, it's it's still a work in progress. But I think if uh, you're using Fusion um, and you you know check the little preview box uh, in uh, your preferences, you can get access to the web interface for it. Gotcha, gotcha. Well, I will say, um, getting a little Linux hardcore super quick. Um, um, if they want to do a Linux client today, 2018, uh, it actually, their choices are good because if they support either app image, snap or flat pack, they'll be able to support over a third of all the Linux installs without extra work or extra configuration. So I really hope they will come out with one because they're the kind of company I have very mixed feelings about from the past. But if they put in the effort, they if they put in the time, if they put in the resources, if they put in the money to make a genuine Linux client available, I'll at least give them some money. Well, yeah, you don't even need to. If you're making under 100000 a year with it, they don't make you pay. So, uh, yeah, it's, you know, free at uh, the non-business level. But, uh, yeah, flat, I, I'm pretty sure they're focusing 100% on doing it in flat pack. So that's fine. Um, um, well, yeah. uh, doesn't the app have some kind of like cloud sharing at least or cloud backup? Uh, how it works. It's kind of a hybrid between like cloud, like on shape is fully in the cloud. Um, you know, you're editing it in your browser and all your edits go up to the cloud and come back. So there's a little bit of lag there. If your internet connection's not fast, and even if it is, you know, sometimes there's, a bit of annoying lag. Fusion does this kind of hybrid thing where it caches locally. So you're editing a local cache and every five minutes it uh, like saves a local recovery and does a little bit of a sync uh, and backs up like a recovery in the cloud. But it doesn't actually upload like your final version to the cloud until you save. So it syncs to the cloud every save basically. In the background, there's some other stuff going on to kind of make sure if something crashes or you lose your internet connection, you don't lose too much work. But uh, yeah, it's, um, I mean, they call it cloud, but it's actually the client and the file, everything's running locally until you hit save. And then even if you don't have internet connection, it caches it all locally and just waits until it has a connection and then automatically uploads everything or downloads, you know, whatever. So that's more or less how that works. Now, Fusion in the browser is obviously in the browser, and that is fully 100% in the cloud. And uh, you notice a difference. I, I don't. I don't know if we're anywhere near um, fully cloud-based CAD being anything other than super aggravating, because that quarter-second lag is infuriating if you do this all day for a living. Well, that sounds almost like they're doing like the um, Steam-type model of um, cloud stuff, where it literally is silent, doesn't do anything while you're doing what you're doing. Only when you don't, because you know Steam requires processing power to run games. So you know, Fusion requires processing power to do Fusion. So when there's no activities being ran, then do your cloud sync. Yeah, more or less. Um, when you start getting into bigger files and you hit save and you got to wait through that sync, you do feel the pain then. Um, but that's really only for like power users and stuff that are working, you know, with assemblies of hundreds of parts and things. For the average hobbyist, they'll never even realize they're working in the cloud. You know. That's just, you know, you, you save, you go to your other computer, everything's there. Gotcha, gotcha. Very cool. Um, so uh, what I'll say first, generally, uh, does anyone have anything they think uh, cool or interesting? So probably the, the thing that's piqued my interest the most lately has got to be the V2 of the palette from Mosaic. Uh, they've got the Palette 2 and Palette 2 Pro, depending on how much support or what you might need for it and a little higher quality on the more more commercial for the the pro but i mean even on the most expensive one they're still coming in at less than the price of the v1 and it, it seems much much more refined um i i definitely super tempted it'd be, be a nice way to get into multi-material and the fact that it's not locked into one machine like the uh the prusa their their v2 multi-material looks nice as well but 
you know, it's locked into their machine. So this you can just throw on the side of any machine. And then I also kind of like the idea of being able to hook up just um, near empty spools to it and just running them out because you can uh, tell it to just randomize the filaments or to just sequentially, when this one runs out, this is the failover. Um, I think we're going to see more cool stuff there. And um, That's cool. I didn't realize that. That's kind of, I got 20 spools with a yard of filament on them sitting around. And, and um, how much does this cost? Uh, $5.99 or $7.99. Has anybody tried the version 1 at all? Has anybody gotten to play around with it? I've been eyeballing nah. one. One of us needs to get one so we can talk about it. You, that 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 five ninety nine one that's that's getting real close. Yeah, it's I mean you know it's a chunk, but it's for what it does. That's not bad. I mean think of what you'd have to do to stick a couple of extra extruders on a you know a printer. The time you'd have to put into it and everything. Do you know with that? Do you have to use like their splicer, or their slicer, or something? You got? I'm sure they've got their own software for that. Then or is that I don't know. It's like a, uh, I'm not sure. My understanding was it's like a plugin that's going to inject, you know, into the G code. I mean, it's still running in G code and everything, um, which is why it's nice and universal. And it's just like another, you know, it's an M code or something to switch. I'm not sure of the specifics. But the impression I got was um, that you didn't necessarily have to. Like, I think you could use their slicer. I think you could use Simplify. And I think there was some other uh, software that could run it. I, it wasn't like universal, but it seemed like they had their basis covered on a few different things. I could be wrong about that because I haven't researched it too deeply. But uh, I think I remember something about that. Yeah, they've got what they call Canvas. So that's um, their multi-pitary ecosystem. Um so you can you can slice with your slicer choice, and then you process the color with it. And then they they also have their uh, Canvas Hub, or uh, it, it's a Pi, it's a Raspberry Pi pre-configured to take the the Canvas data and stream it to the palette. There's some calibration and stuff like that. There, there's been a couple really good videos. I want to say uh, I say Tested actually did a pretty decent one on it. Yeah, if you um. Look at the video, uh, about 50 seconds into the video on the page. It does show you an example of at least them using what it does look like. You take G-Code, put it into a web application, and then you can pick blocks to do colors. So that's what at least it looked like, which I would say it. this idea of this to me is freaking awesome. You have to have a need for it, is what I'll say. Um, and I can tell you, we uh, I shared a link, and I'll see if I can find it for the notes. Um, the 3D printed glasses. Um, this is the exact kind of reason I would need this kind of de- device. Oh, man. Uh, off the subject, speaking of 3D printed glasses, I was just at a Stratasys location um, looking at all their cool printers um, for some stuff for my business. And they were 3D printing safety goggles that were just clear as could be. You see right through them. It was cool. Like they come out of the printer and, you know, they got a slight cloudiness because even though they're really high resolution, there's still tiny little lines in there. And they just like hit it with a buffing wheel for about 20 seconds. And it was just like a lens. That was incredible. It was really cool. Anyway, <laughs> sorry for the aside. I just, uh, I, I thought it was pretty neat. But they, they printed them so the hinges folded and everything. And it all printed at once. Didn't have to be assembled and all that. You had a working hinges. And just uh, 3D printing safety glasses right off the printers. It was neat. And yeah, I without sounding stupid, I've been wearing literally glasses since I was six months old. Um, That's how long we're in. So me glasses, I just take for granted. I'm gonna wear them forever too. Um, r- literally right now, I'm wearing two tone glasses. I don't ever really get two tone glasses, but I saw ones with green in them, greens podnet, so I got the green ones. And then I saw 3D printed glasses. And I'm thinking I would pay. I would literally start paying top notch for the best lenses I could possibly get if I could simply pop them out of different frames whenever the hell I felt like popping them out of a different frame and putting them in a brand new frame that I just printed. I think that would be freaking awesome. Hmm, that might be an application for my uh, the printer I'm getting. <laughs> I, I have had that's at a good least idea. three people ask me if I can do frames for them. I think if you did it with a resin printer, um, that'd be doable. Because, I mean, glasses, they got that little ridge around that, you know, holds the lens in. And, uh, you know, all you got to do is capture that. Yeah. Actually, I'll, you know what I should do? I'll take that file that or that link that you set 
sent and I'll take it to work and I'll print those uh print those frames out and see how they turn out. Yeah. I'll say this. The only gimmick is the frame has to literally perfectly match the lens that you have and there is um multiple curvature to a lens typically. There's at least four dimensions of curvature to it and then you have just the basic you know size of it kind of thing right. Um there's a company offering to give you the STLs for their glasses if you buy the lenses from them. Um, I just want to see this get more and more popular. You know the name of the company? Uh, yeah. If you don't mind me talking for like 45 seconds and just keep talking, um, I can just, you know, type in 3D print glasses frames. While you search, I want to ask about the um, Form 2 because I'm buying one, and, and there's somebody here with some experience with one that just had a print drop off and turn into a big mess. <laughs> um, so I've heard the whole sales spiel from Form 2. I've seen the prints. I'm really impressed. Um, I'm probably getting one next week. Um, oh, how is you'll it? love it. You'll love uh, it. It's so much fun. <laughs> I've been looking for an excuse for so long. Like... <laughs> How the like old, how often do the prints actually fail? Just if they're too heavy, they pull off sometimes, or what? Honestly, I don't even know why it failed. Um, I think it was because I didn't have enough supports in it. But they are pretty much. I, that was my first fail out of probably. Let's see how many have we've done. We probably uh, printed. Hey, geez, 50 different prints of random stuff. So, I mean, hardly ever, honestly. Um, the biggest issue with uh, SLA printers is they're smelly. They're a little smelly when you're working with the non-cured resin. Uh, you definitely want to wear some rubber gloves, and then cleaning them is pretty easy. I just use alcohol. Uh, alcohol wipes, stuff like that. It, uh, you know, it, once you figure it out, it's pretty easy. Cool. Yeah, it smells fine. Like it's in the same facility where I do fiberglass layup and stuff. So then you probably yeah, I won't even uh, notice. Exactly. You won't even know. We're in a pretty decent, you know, facility as well. And unless I'm right over the top of it, you know, working with it, I don't even smell it. So. Um, yeah, once you get it, let me know, and I'll uh, I'll throw any uh, information I have uh, your way. Yeah, that'd be awesome. I've been down to Form Labs, and I couldn't really smell anything. Kind of, I guess, a little bit plasticky or whatever. But, uh, but yeah, yeah, definitely. I've been hoping, because I didn't realize you had access to one, and I've been wanting to talk to somebody who's actually used one extensively, you know? Um, there's not too many people. Oh, actually, this is kind of funny. I do know somebody who used one extensively. Stratasys. <laughs> I went down there and I'm looking at all their, you know, 60, 70, 80,000, 100,000 dollar printers and tucked in the back was a little form too. And uh, <laughs> going on the little tour and I was like, hey, that's a form too. And the guy doing the tour was like, yeah. I was like, what do you guys have that for? He's like, well, you know, we get jobs that maybe take an hour or two. We don't really want to fire up the expensive printer or whatever because it's running something else. So we actually print, uh, you know, we probably do 10 to 20 hours of printing on that uh, um, a week. Um, <laughs> that's funny. If Stratus is trusted, I guess it's probably pretty good. Yeah, the uh, name of the website is glassesusa.com slash 3D is the company and the site. Um they have three different frames to pick from right now. Uh, none of them have true hinges on them. They have like uh, corrugation in the plastic that I guess helps make it more flexible. Um, but uh, I'm guessing they don't expect you to print this in PLA. So do you know if they're giving you the glasses file and the lens file? Because that's what you really need is the lens so that you can do the negative for doing your own frames and stuff. That's, that's what would be cool. Now, all you get is the STL of the frames themselves, I believe. Well, I'm thinking, I mean, it wouldn't be too awfully hard to set up. Uh, I mean, obviously, as a hobbyist, it'd be a little tougher. But for somebody like me, where um, it wouldn't be too awfully hard to set up a process to capture that, like, outer perimeter for people. You could you mold, you could mold negative it. You could negative mold that and do some cleanup on the, the model and get yeah. the shape of the shape of the lens i'm sure yeah well i mean a guy that's handy with fusion could just take the uh the downloaded file and use the, the dang 
lens cutout and make a negative or a positive from that. Yeah, exactly. And then just keep a library of those positives, you know. Well, uh, and I'm sure if you're doing this right. for people. That's yeah. what that's exactly what I was thinking. You know, you just do a negative mold of it so you get that curvature of the you know, because lenses are rounded a little bit. You can learn, you know. So. Right. Well, I could ask my my brother, my ex brother in law. He used to work for. They made lenses and stuff where you worked and stuff. I should see if they have like a like if there's a standard thing that they use or something. Do you know there's a standard for how they like locate them on your face, like uh, like that. There's a a distance from your pupil. distance. Yeah. There's a rotation for astigmatism. And there's like an X and a Y kind of like uh, um, axis. But I don't. Uh, but, but what I don't know is like the boundary, like the shape of the lens. You know, it's like, is there a standard for that? Because that's just cosmetic. You know, well, is there a standard for that? I wonder if there's yes. something you could be like, oh, it's a C three curve, blah blah blah, or something. Well, there's standard sizes, but it's based upon your certain vision can have smaller lenses because of their vision. Like my vision is so is such a particular way I can, my lenses have to be quite tall in order to fit my yeah, frame. Same here. Um, I'm sure it's at least somewhat standardized up, but, but also here on the website, if you scroll down, if you're really quick, you can make some money, I guess, because they're offering $300 if you can design uh, the best uh, frames for them. So I guess they do intend at least some customizations to be done. I have, I might have to try this. <laughs> We'll that see. might be less than what you make an hour, though. Well, <laughs> no, but it may be. But then I go, hey, look, I got a little prototyping shop here in the Northeast. <laughs> well, like, and you can say I'm the one that did those classes. Exactly. Yeah, it'd be more for just, uh, yeah, being able to do it than, uh, than the 300 bucks. Yeah, the, the guy down at the bottom of the page, the designer, Jane Kitenen, looks like he has a hollow gold gigantic snake around his neck take that for what it is people <laughs> okay i'm looking at the website now scrolling down yeah i don't know what he is but he's something <laughs> something that's correct so i mean to me this is the kind of you um you um utility that i'm excited about with 3d printer and making because we we at least every three months seem to see an article about the 3d printed house somebody 3d printed a house it's like we've seen this every three months now for like three years i mean you know okay show us something else you know it seems like lately i'm seeing more and more that the military is getting fed up with overpriced contractors and they're printing stuff to repair like what did i see the other day some special cups they use and uh high altitude airplanes or some crap like that they're paying over a thousand dollars a piece for for a coffee mug and they just said nah we're, we're just going to print the handles for these now and then something else for one of the i wasn't a one of the fighter jets that they were printing repair parts for as well saving thousands upon thousands of dollars well i say saving obviously well, they're going to spend that somewhere else hey they're starting to use thingiverse um i was bidding on a, a job just for the fun of it it wasn't a whole lot of money at all um, where, uh, um, uh, this wasn't the army, this is the Navy, the Na Naval Surface Warfare Center wanted to do some customized, um, smartphone stands. I guess they probably wanted to give them away at like a decon conference or something like that with their logo on them and stuff. And, um, they, uh, <laughs> their, their link for the like base file was a uh, Thingiverse <laughs> file and they wanted to extrude their logo out of it. So, you know, they're, they're, they're offering, you know, like they're taking bids starting at like 150 or 200 bucks or something for, you know, that any, any of us could do in like three minutes. I just, I got a chuckle out of that. But, uh, yeah, the military sending out Thingiverse links now. So yeah, I guess they're saving some money. But now, in all seriousness, um, they are uh, like in uh, aircraft repair uh, for the military. Uh, 3D printing is becoming like the new it technology. It's like like the metal printing is really becoming the standard, and it is cutting a whole lot of costs. Um, yeah, rather than fly it, like because if an aircraft is down, um, you know, and they can they've already like designed a bunch of 3D printed parts for it. Uh, they can just, they'll have, they're, they're starting to put metal printers on base and they'll, uh, 
they'll still have a subcontractor doing it. The con- subcontractor basically is, you know, a technician and engineer to run the printer and uh, make sure everything goes all right. They just print a new part, you know, right there on site where that used to be a big rigmarole. Yeah, that reminds me. Uh, I, I grabbed that link too, by the way. Um, there was something that really has interested me. Um, I don't remember what company it was, but we do now have access to mostly affordable glass fill nylon for printing. And I think that's where things are really going to start to change from a um, real usable part. I mean, PLA's okay, ABS is all right, nylon's good. Yeah, glass filled nylon, glass filled, everything's made out what, yes, of like absolutely. all those plastic pieces in your cars and stuff, like all your like plastic cup holders and random like anything that you see that's like a black plastic in Walmart is generally PA 66 30% glass nylon. Yeah, I didn't I mean, know that. I thought that was more ABS. Well, there's a ton of ABS out there too. Um, ABS tends to be more the cheaper stuff. Yeah, ABS the tends great to... stuff. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Okay, yeah. And like cosmetic parts, ABS takes a better finish. So a lot of times the outside cosmetic parts, like say you you pull apart just about anything, and you know you'll see like uh, the colored plastic bits on the outside, and then black bits on the inside that have kind of a swirly, slight texture to them. If you turn them into uh, to the light a certain way, that's all PA sixty six nylon. And that's like like the the most used workhorse plastic for structural stuff in industry. Like, yeah, if I could three D print decent filled nylon, that would be something. Yeah, you got the. I I don't I don't know what the uh, percentage was, but yeah, I mean, you got PA sixty six covered in butyl. That's just, I mean, that's any quality tool anymore. It's probably ten or fifteen percent for printing. It's probably not right up to thirty. Um, but that's uh, I mean, that still makes a huge difference. Latest Melt Zone video podcast was talking about that. The guys from E3D and then Tom Sandlander were talking about materials, and apparently the the, the thing that's slowing people down on the glass filled nylon is the glass fibers are a little bit too large for standard 0.4 type nozzles. You got to get kind of a big nozzle and a lot of heat to get that to work properly, and the manufacturing just doesn't produce enough, or they don't produce the smaller glass fiber nylon that would make 3D printing more easy. Oh, that's good to know. Yeah. For stuff like that, the larger nozzle size isn't, you know, if you're worried about strength more than aesthetics, like, you know, it probably wouldn't matter a whole lot. But yeah, that's good to know. I think the thing was the amount of glass they were putting in the nylon had to be limited because the size of the glass was... Yeah, that makes sense. I'm guessing it's probably not over 15%. Because 30% is very, very hard on, uh, you know, injection molding. It, it increases the tonnage significantly. And so you do see, for cheaper goods, a lot of 10 to 15%. But it still makes a huge difference to the properties. Um, and that stuff's never going to look great anyway. Um, it's just that, the, you know, it's going to have a texture to it. So, And I, I also, I guess you'd wind up going through a lot of nozzles because it's uh, abrasive as it can be. But uh, yeah, that that kind of makes sense. I bet they, like the the Mark Forge stuff's all like their carbon filled stuff's all at like ten to fifteen percent carbon, if I remember correctly. Yeah, that was another thing they were talking about is the carbon because the carbon is already made with a super fine fiber. It makes it almost perfect for three D printing, except for it doesn't really make anything that much stronger. But it it works in the nozzles the way it is now. If they would make fiber similar to the Carbon fiber size, that would work a lot better. Yeah, unfortunately, you can't really do that. Like, glass fibers are like 100 times the diameter <laughs> carbon fibers. Um, but, yeah, the, the carbon stuff, the, I've, I've used some of that filled carbon, uh, the Mark Forge, and it does make stuff stiffer. Uh, it does make a difference. Um, I don't know how much stronger it would do in tensile strength because it's very short fibers, but uh, you can feel... You can feel the difference in the stiffness. If you're using their continuous fiber, man, it's crazy how, like, I 3D printed a ring that was maybe like an eighth of an inch cross-section. Like, uh, imagine a ring is about two inches in diameter, and it was a square cross-section. It was about an eighth of an inch square, and you couldn't bend it. Like, you couldn't bend it with your fingers. Yeah, I'll say, I first on Firmoose do not like those guys, um, their podcast, because their URL is too damn good. It is the melt dot zone. 
Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> that is. I hate them so much. They're so successful. It's, it kind of sickens me. Um, I will encourage people if 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 you are anywhere remotely in as beginner into printing and making, as long as you're not an expert, you should listen to the podcast. I guarantee you, they know a hell of a lot more than a hell of a lot of people out there. Uh, and they do seem genuinely nice. It literally their tagline is "Your friendly." 3d printing podcast um they're they're either going to offer you candy and kidnap you and then do very horrible things to you or they're really nice guys i can't tell (laughs) have to check them out if you don't hear from me for a few weeks i guess you know what happened yeah and and we're also going to have a link in the notes to matter hackers uh nylon g that they call it it looks like it's around 64 dollars for a half a kilo which i'm going to guess is a fair price for it yeah, probably. Yeah. Nylon's not as cheap as yeah, you know most other stuff. That is one downside. It's cheaper than the Markforge nylon. I'll tell you that. They're on yeah, yeah, They're unfilled nylons, freaking a hundred bucks for a tiny little roll. <laughs> That's why I never use the Markforge printer at the Makerspace. <laughs> the carbon-filled stuff's like a hundred and fifty bucks for a tiny little roll. Has anyone here printed glass-filled nylon here? And I haven't printed continuous glass in it, but uh, not filled. I wonder if you have to put something to coat that so that you don't, I mean, the glass is probably going to pierce the surface at some point, or does you think the nylon covers it pretty well? My experience with, like, the filled, uh, the carbon-filled stuff um, and with uh, glass-filled resins not for 3D printing in general is you do get a texture. Like, uh, it's almost like a... Um, but it's not shards of it's carbon like, in your it, finger. No, it's not going to like stick in your finger. When you rub it, it's got a little bit of a sandpapery feel to it. If you, I, I imagine it would look kind of shaggy under magnification. Yeah, you definitely get a texture. Um, it's got a very matte look to it. I don't know specifically like about the glass-filled nylon for 3D printing, but that'd be my guess just because of working with a lot of glass-filled stuff. I would imagine that... Um cross sections where the the nozzle's moving at least even if you did have some parts that came up it's gonna kind of iron it just like uh and, and push them down in yeah you're probably right so is that 60 dollars probably the cheapest one you're gonna find or are there multiple manufacturers out there um i've seen i know i've seen two and they were both about that same price around 130 a kilo well they do have a lot of colors I did Mark Forge some. has clear and black. <laughs> That's the forward options. Yeah, exactly. I did pick up some uh, acetyl that I haven't had a chance to mess with yet, but that's on the, the list of things to do. It seems like uh, the big thing with it is getting it to adhere to the build surface. Oh, that'd be cool. Let me know how that goes. I machine a lot of that stuff. So uh, does anyone have any other uh, topics that they want to bring up? I uh, see there's some stuff in the notes. Uh, I was just going to add to what you had mentioned about the glasses.com 3D. Um, I downloaded the file and looked at it. They have um, an STL file and they have, what was it, an OBJ file, which is um, the file you would use for Formlabs. So it's got both of them. So I'm excited to uh, print those glasses out just for the fun of it. What, are you going to print them on your FDM or the form? Uh, both. I'm going to uh, print one out right now just for the fun of it, just to take a look. And then I'm going to take uh, the other one to work and uh, print it on the form. Do you do you guys have the, the flex or semi-flex resin? Because I don't see that working otherwise. Oh, With you know, good, hinge. yeah, good point. No, but I can talk to the guy into buying some flexible uh, filament. There you um, go. <laughs> yeah, we need to order this. We really do. Um, I'm getting some flexible filament with the one I'm, I'm getting. And nice. some toughened resin, too. Like they, also, they come out with some new extra tough resin here, they said, in the last yeah. few weeks. I'm going to try out. Oh, right on. Uh, we do have the the tough resin, and then we just have the regular clear resin. And then we just got a few weeks ago the, what is it, the, the portable cleaner and UV uh, setup. But I haven't got a chance to set it up yet because we're trying to find a place to put it. So, 
you know, where it's timed uh, for your agitation, agitating of your uh, alcohol yeah. bath, and then it transfers into your UV rotation. It wouldn't be too hard to design a hinge for that. Seems like you, they would have just taken a little extra time to make like a little pop together hinge. Maybe Whoa, it's too easy. Weak or something. Yeah, easy now. We don't want to take waste too much time on these. We just want to try to get them out there and sell them. <laughs> true, true. Yeah, you'd be amazed at how little a lot of these companies know about what they're actually selling and what they're doing. I, uh, yeah. you know, you deal with a company and you ask for CAD data to work on some product for them, and they send you some STL they don't even know how to open. <laughs> We can't view it. Our Chinese engineer sent this to us. Uh, is that what you need? <laughs> That's right. Exactly. They're like, this will work, right? We hired you to tell us that. It's like, oh, yeah, but if I'm a mechanic, you got to bring me a car. Yeah, I'm, I bet that's uh, that alone, just getting started with uh, companies like that, you're just frustrated. Yeah. Now you kind of get used to it after a while. I literally have gotten... Uh, had GM, GM, you think they could build some cars, you think they'd be pretty professional, ask them for CAD data, and they sent me screenshots of parts in Excel. <laughs> no joke. No way. No measurements or anything except like 400 millimeters long. Yeah, like no joke. And, you know, they're like, uh, oh, what, what could you do to make that? And it's like, well, <laughs> I could stick it on a photocopier if you like. <laughs> you know, that's an Excel spreadsheet with a screenshot. That's not CAD data. I have literally had that happen at least a dozen times with uh car manufacturers and stuff like that they don't even know you know what they've got uh, i was working with an electronics manufacturer um and i needed cad for some of the housings they wanted altered and they sent me stls they literally had never opened they didn't know how to open them and for something like that you don't even want an stl you want an you know an actual editable cad file um otherwise it's three or four times the work um Oh, well, that's what the Chinese engineer sent us. <laughs> I'm not complaining. Oh, it pays my rent. Oh, boy. Kind of shake your head and do your best. No kidding. That, uh, yeah. I bet you're just like, um, okay, thanks. Yeah, you're going to have to do a CAD series for us here sometime. Yeah, actually, yeah, I was thinking of doing uh, like a YouTube series on uh, retopology if I ever have the time. Like, you know, editing STLs, like kind of going back and forth between STLs and usable CAD and stuff. Because, like, the, the biggest thing, like, as great as Thingiverse is and stuff, like, it is, if you get something on there and you want to alter it, the average, like, maker is kind of up a creek. It's like, how are you going to, you know, how are you going to edit that STL file? You know, if you really want to put some time into it, you bring it in a blender and tweak it and all this stuff, and you kind of do it the hard way. Um, so, yeah, I was thinking of doing something on, like, how... So, you know, we do it when we actually do this, uh, you know, professionally. Best practices and workflow so that people aren't... Yeah, yeah, like stuff people would never think of, thing. you know. Yeah. It's like you get an SDL of something rectangular, here's how to turn it into an iSimple rectangle that you can pop some holes in or lengthen or shorten or whatever, you know. Yeah, I would venture most of the people out there doing this, it would probably be faster for them to try to just recreate their own versus editing something that they download from a site like that. You are 100% correct. <laughs> yep. And it's only because, you know, we don't know the, I don't want to say tips or tricks or shortcuts, but how to do it efficiently. Yeah. Well, most people have no idea, like, the you know, um, that there are even really like two sort of basic ways of CAD modeling, you know, like if you get into 3D printing, you you know, unless you look for it, you never really learn about like parametric modeling or anything like that. You only ever see STLs and occasionally OBJs, you know, it's like, you don't, you know, you wouldn't know what to do with an IGES file if you had one drop in your lap and, you know, that's, you can make changes to that in five minutes as opposed to, you know, like the things you can do in like a, more uh, editable CAD formats, you know, it's like the difference between five minutes and five hours of work, like literally. Gotcha, gotcha. Um, well, we, we've uh, not talked for a while and it's been an hour. Um, what I'm going to ask really quick uh, is, does anyone have anything on the horizon, anything that they are going to try to do, anything that they would like to do, uh, that they would like to at least say publicly, thus giving them more um, incentive to actually do it? 
Don't, don't everybody any, talk at once. I don't have any <laughs> yeah, in particular like, that. Oh, do I want to say that out loud? Because I'm thinking of a few things. I'm like, oh, I probably don't. I'll probably screw it up. <laughs> I want to try to build a great big 3D printer. <laughs> um, I designed recently, but yeah, I'm afraid to say that one out loud because I'll jinx it. Yeah, my laser's still in progress. Life happens. It'll uh, it'll get done at some point. Yeah, I think uh, I might if I can find some space. Uh, thanks to Liam and Chad, maybe uh, start uh, MP uh, MPCNC or whatever that is called. Um, do one of those, and uh, maybe uh, Brett will finally get over to Liam's and uh, pick up a printer and bring it my way. Maybe. Maybe I should publicly commit to doing my YouTube series that I keep talking about that you guys are probably rolling your eyes at me whenever I mention it. Well, we would like to see it. I mean, that's, you know, why we roll our eyes. <laughs> Thanks, I think. <laughs> yeah, I definitely liked the uh, online tutorial you had last time. I think we tried to do like a live stream of it. It was a little oh, laggy yeah, for me, I but I, about I, I, did, I think I learned something, but I probably forgot everything already. <laughs> Yeah, I was. I, I, my goal is to kind of do something weekly, but you know, it's life happens, and you know, real work. <laughs> yep, exactly. Gotcha, gotcha. Well, uh, me and Chad are going to dedicate to be drunk before this evening is it, it, is out. That's about as far as we're going to go. I will publicly commit to drinking a couple more beers before I turn in. Yeah, and uh, the the only thing I'll I I will end off with saying is. Um, I'm the guy as a kid, I took something apart. It never went back together. Right. I mean, maybe one out of 10 times I was able to get it back t together. Right. But it seemed not very, um, uh, uh, popular with this printer. So easy to put together. And that bed upgrade that Liam talked about that I did, the magnetic bed, uh, is unbelievably awesome. 10 times better than glass printing on glass heats up so much quicker and the, the the and i just do like a thin raft on all my prints and everything sticks perfectly fine comes off fan freaking tastic i would venture to say anybody with a 3d printer if you do not have this type of bed look back in our notes it was like episode nine or ten fantastic upgrade as far as i can tell i i will add to that i'm still using the original one on on both printers and no adhesion issues yeah, I um, every now and then I just take it and like take my scraper and bend it as much as almost I can and just get everything off I can possibly see. And it does feel a touch different, but it still works perfectly fine. I forget, is that with using the build tech on top of the magnet? Yeah, yeah, using that cheap magnetic surface. Sheets. Oh, yeah, yeah. And I think it helps the leveling as well, because if you're too close, instead of gouging or grinding into it you have a little bit of squish from the the magnet the two layers of magnet just like pushes it out of the way a little bit instead of clogging up the nozzle I, it seems like it yeah it's definitely yeah, i've been meaning to try that i've been meaning to ask door and i keep forgetting well okay and now here's what i'll say just last quick question um i did not plan at all i i, I mean worst planning ever because i would have at least bought some orange before this month to print something like that pumpkin from Minecraft that I think looks freaking awesome. And Aaron had like a translucent orange, which looked even better. Um, we have a couple of different things coming up in the next couple of months. It, do, you, do you guys think there's any color I should definitely get? I mean, maybe like a f uh, forest green, maybe? I don't know. I You know, I would say this is the season to be printing lithophanes. Those are an excellent gift. Most people have never seen one. And, uh, they go over really, really well. Yeah, and all you need is like a um, like a a candle LED light thing, right? Well, you can go that route, or you can make sure you you model in a a hole in the top so that they can attach it with a suction cup to a, a sunny window. Tons of different options. Gotcha, gotcha. And um, do you have like a preferred filament you think that works best with that, or basically they all work just as good? I they all work really well. Um, I think obviously the lighter ones tend to work better. Translucent's kind of crap, but I think you can't go wrong with white. That's racist. Crickets. <laughs> Triggered. I think Jonas was hinting at green there, waving that tree around. I got some really nice green um, translucent TPU. It's a Sane Smart brand from Amazon. I think it was probably like 30 bucks, a little expensive, but um, it actually works pretty well. 
if you can get TPU through your printer. It actually comes out nice. You can put LEDs in it and it, it actually glows through. Very cool. And I will make sure to have a link in the notes to do the lithophane. The a one I, I at least found right away is 3dp.rocks slash lithophane. It will allow you to do flat, inverted curve, out curve, solid cylinder, rectangular pillow, dome on top, dome on side, or heart shaped. What, what, sure, whatever. Okay. Uh, where you basically just like, you know, you take the picture, you put it in, and voila, you have yourself your lithophane. I think that's, I mean, this is an awesome idea. Yeah, that's the best site for that. Yeah, it's super simple to use, very Completely. easy to understand. Yeah. Very cool, very cool. Well, I'll first and foremost say thank you guys um, for everything, for a lot of things. A, I thank you for your patience. Uh, thank you, without saying dumb, for your friendship kind of thing. Um, and thank you guys for your support, period. Without you guys, without you guys in particular kind of thing, uh, it, you know, podcasting would not be close to as fun. So uh, thank you guys. And uh, we'll definitely try to hook up next week. I will say the video is actually much more improved. Uh, if you guys want, we have a YouTube channel. It's only, this is the only thing that um, I stream to it. So you can subscribe, hit the bell as the retards say on YouTube. Yeah, I said the word retards. Send your hate mail to steve at <laughs> smdcomputers.com. Um, so if you want to know when we go live, you can click the bell and subscribe. Uh, we will talk to everyone again real soon. Adios. <laughs>